Welcome to Waypoint. My name is Blair. Yes, I still work here. It's been a few weeks that um, I haven't been on. I get that. Uh, uh, But it's been good. I kind of equate teaching sometimes to a little bit like drum playing. I'm not a drummer, but I I think I can figure this out. There's a fine line between just beating the drum and making some noise. And there's a, a kind of a fine line with teaching, too. And giving some time off, make sure I'm not just up here making a bunch of noise. So I really appreciated that. It was good to have some young guys get some chance to hone their skills and get better at that, too. Every year, we try to find an opportunity to step back into what the church calls the Old Testament. I don't like calling it that. I don't like that because um, people sometimes think of it as past, dated, uh, maybe not for our time. And I don't believe any of that. I think the truths that are found in there point to the New Testament. There's really valuable stuff for us to glean. And so we've made it a point to find ways to go back and land on some pretty popular stories that maybe you should know about and look at a little more deeply. And that's what I'm planning to do today. The song that our band just played, uh, they played a song that could have been written and sung by the guy that we're going to look at today. The song is about a guy who's obsessed with a girl, willing to follow in the dark, go down any path that she goes, like obsessed, right? That sort of thing in, in sort of a, a good way, not a stalker sort of way. And, and this guy that we're going to look at has the same kind of position with God. He's a prophet. If anybody should be tattooed on his brain, it's God. If anybody should be followed in the dark, it's God. If anybody should be followed blindly by this guy, it's God. And so it would be weird, maybe, if the story that unfolded, if that didn't happen. And maybe it would be worth our time and attention to figure out what was going on. What's kind of funny is the story that we're about to look at has been told in the church as a kid's story, which is kind of, I think it's odd because two of the main themes that we're about to look at this morning are anger and death. And generally, I think you would want to keep that out of a kid's story, right? But um, this is where we're going to go. I want to kind of help you wade into this and work through it And honestly, for me, uh, the last few weeks off helped me. Because if I would have taught in this three weeks ago, it would have been something very different than what I'm able to teach now. Because I want to tell you, I think the content we're about to look at is a little disturbing. It's a little troubling. And I I had trouble trying to put all the pieces together to make sense of this as to why, why, God, did you include this text in the Scriptures There's so many weird things going on here. And the only thing I regret right now is I think it actually could be a series. We may find ourselves back here someday looking at all the other things that are going on. But but if you have your Bible or if you have your cell phone, you want to follow along that way, turn to the book of Jonah. We're going to spend our whole time there this morning. I want to introduce you to our prophet in Jonah 1.1. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Now, here here it is. He's a prophet of God who's about to get an assignment from God. And it comes in verse 2. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it. Risky. Risky. And you'll understand more about that in a little bit. What does our prophet, who has God tattooed on his brain, who's willing to follow him blindly, who's willing to follow in the dark, 
What does our prophet do? Verse 3. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. Now, I, I want to just caution you. When we read these sections of scriptures, we often read it from our perspective, which was a Western perspective. And we think this is happening in the exact order and the exact kind of right on top of each other. That's not what's happening here. I think there's evidence in the scripture that Jonah and God had a long conversation before Jonah ran away. And we're going to point that out. So this did happen. Nevertheless, Jonah heads off in the opposite direction. But it's not just the opposite direction. This is like if God comes and says, Blair, I want you to go to Cleveland. And I turn and I go to Seattle instead. The opposite is going to Chicago. The extreme opposite is going to Seattle. That's what Jonah did. He's going to Tarshish, which is far away, as far away from his assignment as possible, making it clear that God... I'm not going to do what you said. Now, this is so odd for a prophet of God to kind of go in the opposite direction like this that has caused a lot of speculation as to why Jonah made this choice. I've done a lot of reading as I prepared for this, and there are a lot of opinions as to why Jonah made this decision to go in the opposite direction. Let me, let me give you a few. I'm neutral on these. They could be right. They could be wrong. I don't know. I don't, I don't think there's enough evidence one way or the other. But a, a lot of people have talked about him. They said, one, Jonah went in the opposite direction because he's a patriot. Assyria um, is where uh, Nineveh is located. Nineveh is the capital of this nation of Assyria that's an enemy of Israel. They fought it out sometimes. So if I'm going to Assyria and I help them repent and they get right with God... That's not good for the nation of Israel. I don't want to do that. And so, out of loyalty to his nation, he said, I'm not doing this. That, maybe that happened. Maybe that didn't. Uh, another reason, they said, was maybe it was shame. Um, because there were a couple prophets in Israel at that time who were trying to convince Israel to repent as well. And so they went to them and they said, I want you to repent. But what if Israel didn't? And Jonah went to Nineveh, and they did. Wouldn't that be embarrassing for the nation of Israel? And so they speculated and said, Ah, he's just not going to do that. He's unwilling to put Israel in a place where they would be embarrassed and ashamed. Another reason people have said is that he was just a racist. He had something against the nation of Assyria. Look, they fought battles. We don't know if his family was injured or killed or hurt in some of those wars. And if he had... We don't know. It's as good of reason as any. And like I said, I'm neutral. I don't know if that's what was really behind Jonah's reason for not following God, going in the opposite direction. There are a couple other ones, though, that I do have an opinion on. A a group of people have said one of the reasons Jonah went in the opposite direction is because he was afraid. The nation of Assyria was so warmonger that to step into that place would risk his life. And he was smarter than that. And so he said, no way, not going, going to back out of this. I actually, I disagree with that. And I'm gonna, I'll eventually uh, help you figure out why. But I think there's plenty of reasons in the text for us to understand that Jonah was not a man of fear. But the, the one reason that I dislike the most 
is a, um, and that's a pretty decent sized group of people who have said, the problem with Jonah is that he was a worthless servant. He was a scoundrel. He was just filling a role, and he wasn't really there to honor God. He didn't have a genuine relationship with God. He just was, as soon as it got tough, he backed out. Can I just tell you, that is a convenient conclusion. Because if that's what it is, then we really don't have to look too deeply into the book of Jonah anymore. Because here's the problem. We're looking at a guy that was a prophet of God, which means he had a special connection with God. And if he had that special connection with God, Jonah ended up in a place where he was willing to go away from God. And if it could happen to Jonah, it could happen to me. And it could happen to you. And if that's the case, we should pay attention to what's going on here. But if we can write him off as a scoundrel, we can write him off as a fake. Just putting in his time, just doing the show. He really didn't love God, wasn't there for God. Then we don't have to worry about this, right? Because we love God. We have a passion for God. What's happening to Jonah wouldn't happen to us. So the first thing that I want to do is I want to deal with that one piece. Because I think the scriptures do talk about how Jonah related to God. And I think it sets the stage for us to pay attention. So let me do this. Let me, let me go back and make you the case for why I think Jonah was not a scoundrel, was not a worthless servant of God, actually had a substantial relationship with God. And it starts in chapter 1, verse 1. The word of God came to Jonah. Jonah heard the voice of God, he knew the voice of God, and he understood the voice of God. Have you ever been at a place where you needed to hear from God? There were circumstances that you were wrestling with, you were dealing with, you've been praying about something, it's been on your heart and mind, and then have you ever done this? Tell me I'm not the only one, right? You start wondering if that's the answer, right? Is that cloud the answer that I was looking for? Did God bring that across my path and that's what I needed to see? Is this verse that has nothing to do about what it is, is this really the answer that God's given me? And then you're wrestling with, I don't want this to be the thing that I want. I kind of do. But I also want it to be what God says. Is God saying this or not? And you wrestle with what God is saying to you. And you're not sure if that's an answer from God or not. That's not Jonah's problem. Jonah heard the voice of God. He knew the voice of God. He understood the instruction from the voice of God. He had enough of a relationship that when God spoke, his antenna went up and he took it in. He just didn't follow. But he had, he had a connection that was going on. Other people have said, listen, he was a scoundrel because his heart was full of fear. Like his first instinct was to run away. But I want to suggest to you that we see over and over in the text examples where Jonah wasn't afraid. There was something else was going on, but it wasn't fear. Jonah hops on a boat to go as far away from God as he can. And, and a storm comes. It's raging, right? And the guys on the boat are terrified. They're afraid for their lives. They're doing everything they can to survive, including taking pieces of the boat and throwing it overboard. They're trying to lighten it up so it won't sink. What's Jonah doing? 
end of chapter, or end of verse 5 of verse uh, chapter 1, says, But Jonah had gone below deck, where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. Is that what you do when you're afraid? Do you go to sleep? Do you have a deep sleep when you're afraid? Jonah's not afraid. He's not afraid of the storm. He is comfortable with the choice that he's making. He's so comfortable with it, he's sleeping. But he is not a guy whose heart is full of fear. Uh, they ask, what do we do to calm this? Because they figure out Jonah's the problem. And Jonah says, throw me overboard, which they do. And we know in the story, a fish comes along and swallows Jonah. You should pay attention to this, though. Three days later, Jonah decides to pray. Three days. Listen, if you were thrown over a ship and a fish swallowed you, how many of you would be in the camp where your prayers would start, let's say, immediately? Right? Does this not make sense? Not Jonah. He waits for three days. The guy doesn't have a problem with fear. There's another problem going on in his heart, but he's not afraid. He hangs out in the belly of a fish for three days, chilling, right? Gets puked up on shore. In Jonah chapter 3, verse 1, the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. He's getting a do-over. Go to the great city of Nineveh, proclaim to it the message I gave you. And this time, verse 3 says, Jonah obeyed. His obedience is not a small thing. Nineveh is a huge city. It's going to take him days to walk around in it, to share a message that's not going to be friendly to an enemy nation. And he does it. He has the courage to follow through and go and do that. Can I set the context for you to help you understand what Jonah just did? If God came to you today and said, I want you to fly to Afghanistan, and I'm going to send you to this Taliban village. And when you walk in it, I want you to say to the Taliban, it's time for you to repent or face punishment from God. How many of you would sign up for that task? Jonah did. The man had courage. When he was willing to follow God, the man had courage. Fear was not a part of his problem. Now, there's more. There's more that helps you understand how he relates to God. He finishes his task. People start to repent, which he's upset about. We don't know why this makes him upset, but we know he's upset. And this is recorded in Jonah chapter 4, verse 2. He prayed to the Lord, Isn't this what I said when I was still at home? See, they had an ongoing conversation before he left. There had been this conversation that had happened about Jonah's concerns, Jonah's fears, whatever they were. This is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish, that all these people would repent. And then he says this, I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God. Jonah knows the character of God. He knows it so well that he predicted an outcome based on the character of God, and he got it right. He Listen, this is a guy who heard, knew, and understood the voice of God, had the courage to follow it when he wanted to, 
and was willing like to step in and go. I'll, I'll do what you ask me to do and I understand who you are. Understand your character. This is Jonah. This is our guy. I don't think that fits the worthless scoundrel who's just hanging out and filling a role. Something else happened in the life of Jonah. Something else is going on. And this is why I think this text is disturbing. Because the truth is, he did not have a casual relationship with God. There was something that was important and invaluable there. And still, he wound up walking away from God in the opposite direction. I want to suggest to you that if we don't learn what's going on here with Jonah, that it's possible that it could happen in your life and my life. As I've reflected on this, I can think of friends, people that I love and care about, who have walked off to Seattle. And the more I've understood what's here, the more I've begun to understand how in the world that happened. How in the world these people who loved God did this. So I want to get an understanding of this. Um, so the question is why? Why would this guy who has more than a casual relationship with God end up willing to walk away from God? Well, it's found all through the text, but um, fortunately God found it um, helpful to make it very clear by stating it directly in chapter 4, verse 1. It says this, But to Jonah this seemed very wrong, and he became angry. He became angry. Um, if you start to understand that context of Jonah becoming angry, much of the other story starts to make sense, because here's what happens. Jonah is so angry, he's comfortable with death. In fact, he'd rather die than to follow the instructions that God gave him. This is important. Again, as Westerners, we read the story and we just think physical death. These writers were going for pictures and images. So they're trying to help you understand that what Jonah has decided here is that he's not only comfortable with physical death, he's comfortable with the relationship coming to an end and dying. He would rather have that than follow this instruction by God. That's how angry he is. And you see it over and over in the story. He's on the boat. The storm is raging. They figured out Jonah's the guy. They come to Jonah and they say, what do we do to deal with this problem? And Jonah says, throw me over. And they hesitate because they know it's a death sentence and they don't want to kill him. Jonah knows it's a death sentence. Jonah could have easily said, let's turn this boat around, right? Let's go back in the direction that we came. And if we did that, everything would die down. But Jonah's heart was not inclined to follow God. And he was more comfortable with dying. And so he said, throw me overboard. And so they do. He gets swallowed by a fish. And he doesn't pray for three days have you ever wondered why? Because he was angry. And he was comfortable with the thought of dying. He thought he was going to die. He's hoping he's going to die. This will put an end to everything. 
Just let me die. He's so angry, he's willing to wait it out for three days in that position before he realizes, maybe I'm not going to die. Maybe I should repent. His anger had taken him to that place. He gets done going and challenging Nineveh. And, and we've already read what he said. He goes, he's upset that, with God. This is what I was trying to forestall. These people are repenting. I knew you would be a gracious and compassionate God. And this is what he says in verse 3, right after he says all of that. Now, Lord, take away my life. It's better for me to die than to live. He's angry. He's back to being so angry, he would like to die. And he doesn't care if it means an end to the relationship. It's kind of funny. Jonah hangs out at the city. He sits outside, and God allows a plant that grows up over him that gives him some shade, and then the next day it dies, and he gets angry about that too. He's he's angry about everything at this point. But look at what he says when he gets angry about the plant. This is in verse 8. He wanted to die, and he said, It would be better for me to die than to live. Over and over and over again. Throughout the text, Jonah is so full of anger that he's comfortable with dying. Don't miss this. This is a guy who heard the voice of God, knew the voice of God, understood the voice of God, had the courage to follow the voice of God, knew the character of God, but was somehow now so angry that it was causing him to want the relationship to die. Have you you ever been angry with God? I mean, maybe it happens in an instant. There might be a situation that you would come across where something happens and instantly you're angry with God. From my own experiences and what I've seen um, in other people, that's generally not how it goes. How it goes is uh, they... They find a disappointment or a discouragement along the way. And they're dealing with that disappointment and discouragement. And and they're praying about it. And they're asking God to do something about it. And God keeps allowing that thing to kind of unfold in their lives. And they don't understand why that's happening. Or maybe it's past a discouragement. Maybe they're frustrated. They are rubbed raw. And they're not sure how much more they can take. And the frustration is eating away at them. And they're praying about it. And they think God could step in and do something. But he doesn't. And they're left dealing with that frustration. Or maybe it's worse. Maybe the situation that you find yourself in, it's just flat out unfair. I mean, no joke, unfair. It's not equal. It's not right. It's not just what's happening to you isn't fair. You've nailed it. And it doesn't seem to matter what the circumstances are. Those different circumstances cause those kind of feelings to erupt. Could be a relationship difficulty that you're having with. And you've struggled with it and you've struggled with it. And it's a disappointment to you and you can't seem to get around it. And God keeps allowing to it. Or it's a frustration at work. Maybe it's a coworker or a task that you've been assigned to do that you just don't know if you can pull it off. And it's grating on you. 
and starting to eat away at whether you think you're good enough to even do this or not. And you're hoping that God will just step in and do something about this. It could be anything. It could be something really big like you're trying to have a baby and you can't. But people who won't even take care of their kids are having babies. And you want to know how that's fair. It's not. But that's what you're having to live with right now. And it could be anything. It could be finances. It could be a marital thing. It could, Honestly, the truth is a whole pile of discouragement, frustration, and unfairness is coming to your life coming to my life. And the question is, what do you do when that happens? See, the text seems to reveal that when that takes place, God's pretty comfortable. He's pretty comfortable with the conversation that he would have with you about that. He was talking with Jonah about this. There was no difficulty when they were having a conversation about how Jonah found Whatever reason, I don't know why he didn't want to go and talk to the city of Nineveh, but for whatever reason that was, God was comfortable with the conversation. Let's talk about it. In fact, he was so comfortable, he was willing to give him an assignment during the process of that so that he could learn a deeper character of God, know God better, get more understanding about this sort of thing. And yet, that's not what Jonah chose. Jonah chose something else. Chose to stop the conversation, and we actually get what it is. Um, It's in verse 4. It's in verse 1 of chapter 4, too. It's the front part of that verse. It says this, But to Jonah it seemed very wrong. Jonah went past the frustration, the discouragement, the sense that it was unfair, and he landed on making a judgment call based on how he saw things. Based on my perspective, God, I think I'm more moral in this case. I'm more right in this case. I have a better understanding, more wisdom than you do. You're not listening And based on my judgment call, I'm angry that you've taken the position that you've taken. I'm angry that you haven't moved like I wanted you to move. I'm angry that you haven't lined up with me because I'm right and I know it. I want to read um, verses 2 and 3 of Noah chapter 4, or Jonah chapter 4 again, because I think it's kind of interesting. I emphasize something different. Isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? This is what I tried to forestall by fleeing it. I knew that you are a God of grace and compassionate who relents from sending calamity. Now, Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. He is so full of himself. Because his perspective is what's right. His perspective is what's basing his decisions on. And Jonah comes to a place where he's willing to walk away from God. By the way, I love how this is written. It says, it seemed very wrong. 
wasn't very wrong. It just seemed that way to Jonah. Based on his values, based on his understanding, based on his view of things, he was making a judgment call. By the way, I, I figured out as I've read through this and looked back on conversations, I've, I've had friends who have left the ministry and have gone to Seattle and they have never come back. And uh, at times, it's really broken my heart. I, to tell you the truth, at one point, I almost considered leaving the ministry when one of those things happened because the thought was, if I can't even convince a friend who I love to stay connected to Jesus, what am I doing talking to anybody else about this? Here's what I missed. Here's what I missed. See, I knew that a bad situation had happened in their life. I knew they were wrestling with that sort of thing. But somewhere along the path, they decided that they knew best. And it wouldn't have mattered what my words were. It wouldn't have mattered anything that I said or did. They were going to make the choice because they were the ones who were deciding what was right, wrong, and wise. And God had been removed from the picture. And until, and until they decide that God's view of things is more valued than theirs, they're probably going to stay there. Which, by the way, is why the book of Jonah is so disturbing. We have no idea if Jonah ever comes back to God. It's left open. You would think if it was a happy ending, they would include that, right? It would feel better. But it's not. Um, he's left going, I don't know if I'm going to follow you or not. I'd rather die. I'd rather be separated. I'd rather be done with this relationship. The, the reason this is so concerning is because we live in a culture where things that seem wrong and seem right to us are being validated left and right. As long as you think it's okay, go for it. As long as it works for you, it's all right. And we have all of this stuff where we're kind of gathering our own view of the world. The problem is, it'll spill into an area of life where you think God needs to line up with you. And when he doesn't, if it turns into anger, it blinds you. It blinds you to the truth of what's happening your view is what's most important. How God sees it, not important. And this is what happens. Although we don't know what happened with Jonah, we know how God responds, which I think is beautiful. He doesn't berate him. He doesn't, he doesn't mess with him like that. He asks him a question. That's it. He asks him a question. It's recorded twice. In Jonah chapter 4, verse 3, Jonah says, I want to die. And God says to him this, the simple question, is it right for you to be angry? Is it right for you to be angry? The plant dies. Jonah's angry and says, I wish I would die right now. God says to him, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? Same question. Is it right for you to be angry? In essence, God is asking Jonah to stop and evaluate why he's making the choice that he's making. Are you really 
sure that your view of things is the right view? Is this thing something that you should even be angry about? It's outside of your scope. It's outside of your scope of understanding. By the way, Jonah um, is told this by God. This is the last thing God says to him in verse 11 of Jonah chapter 4. And should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh? Jonah, who were you to tell me what my agenda should be? Who are you to tell me what I should be concerned about or care about? You don't have an understanding of the world that I have. And because of that, I want you to make sure that you're right with your anger. Because there are unjust things in the world that your anger could be used on. But is this the right one? Are any of you there right now? Has there been a moment in your life where you got angry with God and you walked off? And maybe people don't even know it. You, you still get dragged here because you have to. But your heart is closed off to God. You're done. And honestly, I, I'm not looking to beat you about the head. I want to ask you the same question that God would ask you. Is it right? Is it right for you to be angry? Are you making the right decision based on the right values, the right understanding, the right amount of wisdom. See, what happens is as soon as Jonah disconnects from God, as soon as he's willing to see the relationship die, the conversation ends, and he's going to miss out on learning any more about God that would fill in his misunderstanding, fill in the wisdom that he doesn't have. He misses that because he's disconnected from the master, and that could be happening to you. If you've disconnected yourself from God based on what you thought was right, maybe it's time to come back. For others, because life happens to us, there's a whole bunch of you right now. I, I don't even I don't know the stories, I just know this is true. You're dealing with discouragements. Some of you are frustrated. Some of you are in places in your life right now that are just not fair. They're not fair. And God's wanting you to lean into that relationship. He's wanting to still give you assignments to do along the path so that you can understand him more, know him more. He doesn't want you to give up on that. But his agenda is bigger. It's not often easy for us to understand. And if you're willing to keep talking to the master, there's a chance that you could keep walking through that discouragement and not be destroyed. But if you're not careful, if you decide that your perspective is more valued, more important, has more wisdom than God, you could end up in Seattle. And you could end up there for a long period of time, far from God, dead to the relationship and if it could happen to Jonah it could happen to me it could happen to you unless we're leaning into this master who loves us we're telling him the stuff that really rubs us wrong and we're displaying a level of trust in his perspective and not ours
Can I just pray with you? And I think in a group this size, there are going to be some people here who felt so disappointed with you that they thought it was best that the relationship died. So frustrated, so unfair was the situation that they were facing that their conclusion was it would be better to be disconnected from God than to keep going. And God, the truth is, you love them just like you love Jonah. You didn't treat him harshly. You kindly asked him a question. Is it right for you to be angry? And God, I'm convinced that there are some people here who have embraced an anger towards God that is shaping their lives. And they just ask as they leave that your spirit would go with them and that the wrestling would begin, that they would wrestle with that question, is this right? Is the perspective I've used right? Is my wisdom right? Or is there a different wisdom I should be tapping into? God, for the rest of us, it is so tempting to see our view as the view, as the right view. And we cut you out of the equation. And in our disappointments and frustrations, in our places where it's just unfair, we decide what's right. So for us, God, I ask you to help us to be wise, to guard against that kind of decision that we would be passionate followers of Jesus who would follow you in the dark, who would go after you through dark alleys, who would tattoo you on our brains, accepting your value, your perspective, your view ahead of our own. God, this is hard to do. But we ask that you would help us wrestle with the truth found in Jonah that if we're not wise if we're not careful what happened to Jonah could be a part of our story too take the center stage in our lives that you have earned and deserved we love you God we ask you to move in the hearts that need that this morning in Jesus name Amen